Currently, as of recording this in the United States, it is late October. One of the things that I think about when it comes to October, especially around this time of year, is the reality that the seasons are changing. And so it's expectant to me to be able to go outside and to see leaves that are falling on the ground, especially here in Michigan, where the seasons change more abruptly than down south. So that's pretty expected for me. But something I wasn't expecting is to see the presence of so many flies. I've grown up with house flies coming through the doors or coming through the windows. I've grown up with that. I, I, I know what flies are, but I'm telling you, something is different. I find myself having to literally sweep out just tons and tons of dead flies that are just gathered all over the entrances by the windows. And I'm just kind of overwhelmed of like, when did this happen? I've never noticed flies like this. Again, my experience when it comes to flies have been the flies that occasionally get within my kitchen or within my apartment or within my car that I have to just roll down the window and usually they'll just fly on out because they're so defensive and they're so quick whenever there's a potential threat around them. But these flies that I've been seeing this month have been so lethargic, so big that it's like they don't care. Recently, I took a picture of one of these flies that I've been seeing in numerous masks around our church, and I took a picture, a close-up picture of this fly, and at any moment, I was expecting for this fly to get defensive and start to fly away. But no, this fly just stood here. This is a good picture of all of the flies that I've been seeing recently in this month of October, and it took me literally opening up the door for the fly to do something. And the only thing that this fly can do was fly into the glass, thinking that it was going to find freedom, but no, instead he just banged his head against the glass. The door was wide open, the fly could have flown out and to find freedom, but he kept banging up against the glass. I closed the door and later on in the day, I found that that fly was just dead on the floor. That fly, he didn't know what else to do. And I've just been so perplexed by the presence of all these flies recently. But there's a verse in the Bible that has been standing out to me that I felt led to talk about, especially being inspired by these fat flies that I've been seeing so often throughout this month. This verse is found in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. And Moses, he's at the end of his life and he's speaking to the Jewish people the same Jewish people that have been wandering in the wilderness for many, many years because of their rebellion towards God and their unbelief. And so Moses is telling these final words before his death. And this is what Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. He says this, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, so that we may follow all the words of this law. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, so that we may follow all the words of this law. As I was looking at those flies, this verse came to my mind. Typically, historians refer to the mid-20th century all the way to now as the information age because the rise of computers and the ease of the internet and all of the outcomes that that has brought to you and to me. 
And each and every one of us has reaped the benefits of this information age that we are living in, this renaissance of sorts of having the ease of having everything that we want to know right when we want to know it at the palm of our hands, literally through the smartphone revolution and through the rise of the internet and the accessibility. You don't have to be wired up to access the internet. You can do it remotely through network carriers and cell phone carriers. We find ourselves that no matter where we are, we have the ability to access the information that we need or want to access. And we are just living in a time that is just information overload. I've been blessed to be able to do this podcast for almost three years now. Every episode that I've done For the most part, I remember it, and often I'll go back and look back over the episodes that I've done and the topics that I was talking about and just try to see if, like, okay, am I kind of repeating myself too much? But to be honest with you, I really do feel that often I kind of say the same things over and over and over and over again. I feel like within those episodes, I've repeated myself a lot. There are stories, there are things that have happened or, or things that I've seen that are, are somewhat new that haven't happened before. Often when I do an episode, I'm kind of talking about what the Lord is currently showing me or something that I'm currently convicted by or whatever it is. So it's there's a freshness to it, but the information really is the same. I'm still talking about Jesus. I'm still reading from the Bible. And this is stuff that I feel like I've said before. And often I find myself whenever every week comes by and I'm about to sit down to record an episode like I'm doing now, I find myself just kind of asking myself the question, do I really need to do another episode when there's 145 episodes that the listener or viewer can just listen or watch? It's not a problem of information that we are living in today. We have plenty of information. You don't need another sermon. You don't need another podcast. We have plenty. Do we want another sermon? Do we want another podcast? Oh, yeah, absolutely. For many of us, we do. But at the end of the day, we don't need more information. We need application. We need to know how to apply the information that we are learning. We are living in a day and age that we are getting pumped full of more information than we can ever fathom within our little short lifetime. When I was looking at that fat fly there by the door, I thought it was dead. It wasn't moving. It wasn't responsive. It was fat. It was full. It didn't need more food. It needed the willpower to be free. It needed the motivation to get out of the current state that it was in. From my perspective, I can see the freedom that was there with the door that was open. I can see the potential. But the fly didn't understand its potential. It didn't understand what it was capable of. And that fly died settling for less. We just walked through 2020 where we were trapped in an apartment like this. If you're watching this episode, I was, I was here in this apartment and within the confines of what we just walked through last year, we had opportunities and to a degree, we still have opportunities to get the information that we need to know in order for us to be who God has created us to be. We, we had that potential And for many of us, we took that time to fill ourselves with information. 
But now we're at a point, I feel like we are at a point as a church that we are at a point that we have to do something with the information that we have. I feel like so many of us will go to church or go to a podcast or go to another source of information and just walk away with more information, but not a heart change and an encounter with the living God. And I know that I'm subject of this as well. I have a collection of records. I love music. I love music. I love music facts. I love the the lyrics and just the, the different things that it provokes within my heart, within my mind. I love music. And sometimes I find myself when I'm trying to seek my creator, savior, sustainer, when I'm trying to get alone and spend time in his word and seeking after his heart, I find myself with music on in the background, but I find myself convicted a lot of times to turn the music off. Now, there's sometimes that the music enhances my sense of seeking after the Lord and my act of worship of giving my time to the one who gave me my breath and time. And I find that music can enhance that, but sometimes I feel so convicted that I need to turn it off because my heart is not truly seeking after my creator, savior, sustainer, but my heart is distracted by so many other things and I'm going through the motions. I can't help but feel that sometimes we as followers of Christ, or even if you're watching or listening to this episode and you're not a follower of Christ, that we go through the motions and we have this appearance as if we have it all together, but in reality, we are lacking and we are decaying and we are dead inside. And I know that I've been through many, 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 many times such as that. And what it takes is a brokenness over my own need and my own sin to lead me in a revival of seeking after the Lord with a fervor and with an urgency like I've experienced before. I remember when I came to Jesus in June 2011 for the first time, I was 17 in, the, in my room. I was reading the Bible for the first time seeking after God. I was done. Everything around my life has collapsed around me, or at least it felt like it collapsed around me. And I was there and I just cried out. I said, Lord, if you do something with this life, you can have it. You can have it. So often we just seek the secret things that we can't fully understand. And instead of it enhancing our relationship with our creator, savior, sustainer, enhancing our pursuit after the heart of our creator, savior, sustainer, instead of us having more of a reverence of Jesus and a submission to the Holy Spirit that comes through a surrender to Jesus, Instead of that, we seek after the secret things of God. We seek after all this information and it does nothing but rot us from the inside out. And we find ourselves going through seasons and many of you may be watching or listening or going through a season such as this and it's a miracle that you're even watching or listening to this episode right now. But we go through these moments of something that is so popular within our society today and the word is deconstruction deconstruction. When it comes to our theological beliefs, what deconstruction consists of is examining the foundation and everything that was built in the belief system of our lives and deconstructing it, melting it away to see what remains, to see what remains, to see what is true, to see what is man-made, and to throw out Whatever doesn't hold up, what doesn't have subsistence, what doesn't have substance when it comes to what we believe. And there's something beautiful about deconstruction because it's melting away the fat, trimming the fat in order for us to get to the core of who we are because our foundation was whack from the beginning. 
And instead of us acknowledging that there's a bad foundation, and instead of looking at who Jesus is and letting that be the foundation alone of what we believe, we instead just throw it all out. Moses is warning the Jewish people way before the information age. He's saying, look, there is going to be times where you are going to seek after things that you can't fully understand. But you have to remember that that stuff doesn't belong to you, though you have a heart to want to know all that there is to know. Knowing all there is to know won't save you. Solomon, King Solomon, the Bible says he's the wisest man that ever lived. He knew so much. And we read in the book of Ecclesiastes, and most of the book of Ecclesiastes is well believed to be written by Solomon. You read the book of Ecclesiastes, and the first thing that Solomon says is everything's meaningless, vanity, vanity, everything. Everything's vanity. There's nothing that matters. Throughout the book, you do see these little glimmers of hope where Solomon comes to realization that apart from God, we can't find any enjoyment in this life. But still, Solomon is going through this. this, All of his wisdom has led him to this moment of just saying that nothing matters. God, where are you? What are you doing? The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever so that we may follow all the words of the law. The information that we are longing for, if it doesn't lead us to a deeper intimacy with Jesus, then it's purposeless. It's purposeless. It may fulfill a moment. It may fulfill a season, but it doesn't have anything of lasting value within our lives. And so often we seek after all the mysteries of God, but not the heart of God himself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he's reminding them that, look, you have a lot of information, but your application is whack. You are doing and believing some things that are just crazy. And so there's this argument that is going on in the Corinthian church about, okay, do we eat food that was previously devoted to idols? Within this society that they were living in, there was just many, 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 many idols that the culture, that the society worshipped. And often there would be food sacrifices prepared for these idols. And this church was arguing, saying, okay, look, like, Some of us think that we shouldn't eat food that was devoted to idols because it was devoted to idols. And some of us, we are just saying like, of course we can eat the food because the idols aren't real. It's just just statue or it's just this, this false image, whatever it is. Of course we can eat the food. And Paul goes into a deeper meaning through all of his argument. And he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. He says, now about food sacrifice to idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The one who thinks he knows something does not yet know what he ought to know. But the one who loves God is known by God. Paul's hitting at a deeper truth here. He's saying, look, instead of arguing about all this knowledge, that at the end of the day, we're just going to be humbled because we really don't know all that we think or claim that we know. Why don't we focus more on loving one another and letting the love and the humility that comes through knowing God, 
knowing Jesus, may the humility that comes by knowing Jesus lead us to apply the knowledge that we know in a way that will build one another up instead of puffing one another up and making one another the enemy. In the information age that we are living in, it's not information that we need. It's application, and application can only come when we bring the information that we have to our God in order for him to help us have an application to live out in love the knowledge that we have received. You can read the Bible day and night and walk away with nothing but information and not a relationship with your creator, savior, sustainer. We can read the Bible day and night and walk away still as lost as we were when we came to the Bible. I know in my life so often I sought the Bible seeking my own information, seeking my own wisdom, seeking my own knowledge, and I walked away void of the creator, savior, and sustainer. I walked away from Jesus. I had the knowledge that puffed me up, that helped me look good in arguments or helped me look good in conversation or helped me look good in a label or an image. But I didn't have a relationship with my God. And Paul is saying, the one who loves God is known by God. And instead of taking the information and letting it just puff us up, may the information that we have humble us to the point that we love our God more and more and more and receive more and more and more of an intimacy with our creator, savior, sustainer that sustains us when our information will fail us. Our information will and does fail us. I can know all the right things of what it means to be a sacrificial servant, to know what it means to be a one-day husband or a one-day father. You can have all the information, but application is so much different than information. That's why so often we walk away from time in the word and we just don't feel any different. Or we walk away from a service or a sermon or a Bible study and we just walk away the same that we walked in it. And if you keep doing that over and over and over and over and over again, you're eventually going to get burnt out and jaded because you're not encountering the living God. We encounter the living God when we humble ourselves with a heart of prayer, begging God to reveal himself to us because we are desperate apart from him. We can't do this on our own apart from the spirit of the living God that helps us see him. Then we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. So often we think the problem is the information. And so if the information isn't fulfilling us in the way that we want to be fulfilled, we throw it all out and discredit it all. When that's not the problem, the problem is, is that we are longing for a creator, savior, sustainer that the information points to, that all truth points to. But instead of encountering Christ, we just keep coming face to face like that fly that was flying against the glass with ourselves. And it wears us out. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. But the one who loves God is known by God. It's interesting that Paul begins his rebuke about this whole argument that they're having by saying, look, you're focusing on the wrong thing. In verse four, he goes into what they're talking about. He doesn't ignore what they're talking about. He doesn't give that cliche, oh, we'll just love God. Everything will figure itself out. He doesn't do that. He addresses it. But in order for the information that he was about to share to the Corinthian church to be received, he had to get to the heart of what they were longing and looking for and missing. 
And that is to be known by God through a love and a humility that comes through a surrender to Jesus. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, God rebukes the Jewish people and he says this, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me and the fountain of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. When we rely on our information or when we rely on experiences that we've had with the Lord, when we rely on all of our own understanding, it will lead us to an empty, broken cistern, and there's no other option but to deconstruct. <laughs> but when we, instead of digging our own cisterns, we go to the living water of his word with a heart of desperation saying, God, I want to know you. I want to know you. Then we don't walk away without encountering him. In Jeremiah, in the same book that we're reading from right now, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, God tells Jeremiah, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. You will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And either that's true or it's not. We can't say that we tried God. We can't say that we tried church. We can't say we tried reading the Bible. We can't say that we tried unless we give it all. In last week's episode, in, in, in the part towards the end where um, Michaela Peterson, the daughter of Jordan Peterson, was sharing her testimony of how she's starting to come to Christ, the person that, she, that was interviewing her said, look, you can't just 80% come to Christ. Christ didn't 80% die on the cross for you. It's either everything or nothing. And sometimes we give the 80, we give the 90, we give the 99, and we get so burnt out saying, God, I tried. God in his word, he says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Right now, I know people in my life that have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, but yet they're clinging to all this information and knowledge as a substitute, a functional savior for the void that they still fill instead of turning to the living water itself. In John chapter four, Jesus meets a woman who's going to this well day in, day and night to get water that's been publicly outcasted because of all of her recent divorces. And this woman is there by the well. And Jesus says, look, if you knew the gift of God that was talking to you, you would have asked me for a drink and I would have given you living water. This woman, as she's talking in, in John chapter four, and you can read it yourself, She's bringing up a lot of information. She's saying, you Jews worship at this mountain, but we Samaritans worship at this mountain. And Jesus doesn't ignore what she's talking about, but he gets to the heart of it. And he says, look, all this information has led you to this empty well. And yes, it has water, but it's empty because you're constantly going back and back and back and back and back. And you're living a life that isn't fulfilled. Come to me. Let me fill you with what the information can't fill you with. And that is an intimate relationship with the living God. Have your heart, no matter what you are going through, if you feel overwhelmed and jaded and confused, if you feel like you have a lot of information, but you have this heart to long to apply it to your life, if you want to encounter Jesus, surrender. This woman in John chapter four had to leave her bucket to embrace a life that is filled with the living water that does not run dry, and that is Jesus. She ran into the town saying, look, let me tell you somebody that told me everything that I did. And it said that many in the town came to Christ because this woman surrendered to him, and they met him face to face. 
Sometimes the hindrances of us meeting Jesus face to face is information, 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 information. When sometimes we got to turn off the music. Sometimes we got to turn off the phone. Sometimes we have to turn off all of our functional saviors and get alone with the Lord and get uncomfortable and say, Lord, help me. I want to know you more. Bring me into a revival. And revival always begins with a repentant heart, a humbled heart. May the information that we have humble us to the point that we say it's, it's, it's meaningless. Apart from you, Jesus, I need you. Meet me here. I'm done. I'm done. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 2, there's an invitation that God gives. And he says this, why spend money on that which is not bread and your labor on that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of foods. Verse three, incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that your soul may live. I will make you an everlasting covenant, an everlasting covenant. This applies to us as well. So whether we're reading Deuteronomy 29, 29, that reminds us there are these things that we won't understand. And the more that we seek after that, that we can miss our God in the process. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul breaks it down. He says, look, if you think you know something, you don't know as much as you know. So instead, surrender is something greater. And that is the love of God, that it comes through Christ on the cross and through his death, burial, and resurrection and through the Holy Spirit that can fill you with a heart and an intimacy with the Lord that information can never do. No matter what information that I'm talking about in this week's episode or Bible verses, it means nothing if we don't take what we have learned, bring it down to the feet of Jesus to say, show me who you are through this. Show me who you are. And we know through his word, through the Bible, that we're able to come face to face with truth. The problem isn't that the Bible's boring or that the Bible isn't relevant or all these other excuses that so often we as people can use. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that if we were really seeking after the Lord with all of our heart, there's a response that has to happen. Either we'll reject it or we'll embrace it and we'll die to ourselves and become alive through him. In Psalms chapter 36, verse 9, the psalmist says this, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. In order for us to see information for what it is, it has to be through the filter of Jesus, not through the filter of theology, not through the filter of a denomination or a church, but it has to be through Jesus. God has given us so many resources in order to know him better, in order to live the knowledge that we have of Christ out better, to love better, to serve better, to sacrifice better, to follow in the spirit better. We have been so blessed. But those that have been blessed much, much is required. You don't need another episode of this podcast. You don't need another worship song or a worship CD. You need Jesus. We need Jesus. I need Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2, he says this, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has also become my salvation. Isaiah doesn't say the information 
my upbringing, that is my strength. That is my song. That is my salvation. He doesn't say that. He says, the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the springs of salvation. And on that day, you will say, give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make his works known among all the people. Declare that his name is exalted. When we let down all of the information that we know at the feet of Jesus, we encounter Jesus. We encounter Jesus. The Pharisees during the time of Jesus, the religious leaders of the day, missed God, missed the Messiah because their information was blinding them from the truth. May we not fall in the same trap that the Pharisees and Sadducees fell under. They knew the law, but they did not know God. Likewise, so often we can know the word, but be neglecting the things that matter the most, and that is the intimacy that we can have through a devotional life with Christ, through the giving of our time, energies, resources, a heart seeking to follow the Spirit, not follow man-made tradition or man-made logic, but to follow the Spirit of the living God through His Word, surrounding ourselves with discipleship, with a community of believers that are seeking after the heart of God as well and, and, and prioritizing the truth of His Word. And letting the truth of the word impact their hearts to the point that they live it out. We don't just need wise people. We need humbled servants that follow after Christ. Not following after the next bit of information or the newest belief. I wanted to end with this. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20. This is a benediction. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Christ Jesus, to whom the glory forever and ever. Amen. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, John, through his revelation, he sees that one day that we'll stand before him and there'll be a wedding of Christ and his bride, the church, the church made out of all each and every believer that has ever lived, will live, and is living, that has surrendered their lives to Christ. We are his bride and he is purifying us day by day by day by day. He's washing us through his word. He's washing us in all truth. He's washing us in holiness and righteousness and setting us apart in a broken, just destructive world, he's setting us apart in order to be used for his purpose and his plan. And there's going to be a marriage that happens, and this is where it's found in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. John says this, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Verse 9, Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him. But the angel said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears witness and testimony to Jesus. Heavy heart, each and every day, the Lord is preparing his bride, and that is you. That is you. May we humble ourselves, surrender ourselves, submit ourselves to him.
May we turn off anything that needs to be turned off, including this podcast. If it is not provoking us to surrender to Christ. Each and every week I do this because it matters to tell you that we have a creator, savior, sustainer that loves you, that loves us. And he has given it all in order for us to have a fullness of an intimacy with him. And that can only come through surrender and say, Jesus, use me. I'm yours. Holy Spirit, lead me. Help me submit to you. Help me not grieve you through sinning against you. Help me live a holy and set apart life. Help me love others and serve others. Help me be willing to die for others to come to know you. May your word be the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. May I not lean on my own understanding, but may in all of my ways acknowledge you, knowing that you will make my path straight. And that, Jesus, you are able to do immeasurably more than anything we can ask or imagine according to your name and to your glory forever and ever in all of the churches. Amen. Amen. She saved her whole heart for you, Lord. She's kept her eyes pure for you, Lord. She's waited and waited while her hungers were raging to taste only the love of her Lord. She set her delight in you, Lord. She stayed all her thoughts on you, Lord. She stilled her desires, all her tossing and straying. She has put all her hope in you, Lord. And you have watched her for the day of her wedding. And promised yourself by your spirit abiding in the earthquakes and wars. Lord, can you hear her singing? Her arms are raised high. She's radiant. She's holy. Scarcity rotting and mold. She is given so freely to the meaning and unworthy. She's so loved that she cannot withhold. She surrendered her fight for control. She has waived every right that she holds. She wiped out all the debts. From others, she knew that she'd owe so much more. And you have washed her for the day of her wedding. Promised yourself by your spirit abiding in the earthquakes and wars. Lord, can you hear her singing? Her eyes 
made her so humble, holding others so highly that her joy has been filled to the full. She took off her pretense for you, Lord. She confessed all her shame to you, Lord. She came out of her hiding to be known so profoundly and so free she can dance for you, Lord. We should have washed her. 